0: Thank you for listening to this podcast from the resting place, South Tampa campus. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon for more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.
1: I'm going to invite our serve team leaders that I have, I have designated to share today and are this lovely panel up here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so, um, yeah, each person we... So can you throw on that last slide, the black one um, with the four points that start out with, yep. Okay, so across the ERP family, this is kind of Caleb's um, guidance to us as far as, yes, we don't, we're don't. we not trying to create structure to where you feel so rigid in your testimony, um, but I think a lot of times, Christians, um, it seems intimidating, um, especially if we had... Um, just kind of started out and what that looks like. Um, So we wanted to kind of give like bumper lanes on a bowling alley lane, if you will. Um, So it's kind of describing... Uh, and I think sometimes we get, even right now, uh, sort of fluid with our talking to where we maybe say too much and, and our, our audience has kind of lost our attention span for us just because uh, we get kind of sidetracked. Um, so that's why Caleb was, uh, was so uh, awesome to read out of Acts 26 as far as this format, which talks about kind of like, you know, our worst or what lies did we come into agreement with um, before meeting uh, God? Uh, God's best what led up to allowing God in your life and um, a culmination what began to change and then the ask like you know so we get to that point of sharing and then you know the person that we're sharing with says okay you you uh, I'm there I want to know Jesus like what what now like does it look like a particular thing or you know what should we feel like is okay or not okay what does the Bible say about that and so I'm gonna have each of our awesome leaders uh, just share their testimony
0: Hello everyone. For those that, again, introducing myself again, um, my name is Frankie Chavez and I I love Jesus. <laughs> and um, obviously you see me as this joyful bliss bomb, going crazy like a firework, but I wasn't always that way, right? And uh, today I'm gonna get into, very briefly, kind of in a summarized version of my worst, and um, what lies I came agreement in with, in my history with God, and I really feel that some of the lies that I came into agreement with were that I wasn't good enough, that life was gray, boring, dull, meaningless, I, I didn't have any joy in my life, I didn't have any color in my life, I felt like colorblind in the spirit. Um, I always remember wanting more. like I, I always felt like I didn't fit in because I always wanted more. I always wanted to talk about Jesus. I always felt like the three songs and the preaching like that wasn't enough. I always wanted something more tangible, something more in depth like in into the bedrock with God, right? And um, I always felt indifferent. I always felt like a misfit, you know in social settings, in church settings and and I remember thinking, God, like, I just want more of you. Like, I just want more of you. And so it started when my mother passed away when I was uh, 16 years old. I wasn't serving the Lord before then, and I'd gone, and I've been in, like, vacation Bible school and come to know the Lord. But I didn't know him. I didn't walk with him, even though he still always walked with me, <laughs> even when I wasn't aware. And so... Uh, It was junior year of high school, and there was this on-fire Christian whose name was actually Christian. And I had this math class that it was like intermediate math because I was grieving. I just came back to school after three, four months of not being in school because my mom had died. And so I was just—I would sleep the whole day, and I wouldn't even do my work. I wouldn't even do my homework. I didn't even know why I actually started going. I was just— like it was like all of me was ripped out of me. And um, and in that space of feeling tired and sorrowful and full of grief and loss, Jesus met me and sent an evangelist in my school, in my school grade to minister to me and pray over me and read Romans chapter eight to me in a regular public high school during school, during class, when we're supposed to be doing our work, he came over to me, and it was like we were in a bubble. It's like the teacher didn't even see us, and there were students even sitting next to me that didn't even look at us. Like, it was supernatural, and he started just reading the Bible to me and telling me how much Jesus loves me, and I was just like speechless because I'm like, I couldn't even believe that that was happening, and I was just like, oh, thank you like no one's ever sat down and tell me that like thank you and so that was happening at school and and then like uh one of my mom's friends who came to care for me and my sister and I started taking us to church and I I was in such a broken place I was drinking I was smoking right all the things that we do to numb pain and all that stuff and I was doing it to numb myself I was doing it to escape and um Not that I think any of that is bad, but I'm just saying, like, at that time what my heart, the lies that my heart were attached to, I was believing that that was the route to escape, to numb, to not feel. And um, and I just started to encounter Jesus and he started to just pour out his love on me and share with me how precious I am in his sight and how wonderfully made I am and how he sees me. And that just drew me in closer. And um, and I just came to know him, you know, as my Lord and Savior. But I hadn't had any encou- deep encounter, or anything like really substantial at that point. And um, and I just kept steadily seeking God. And um, and then I did something really dumb. <laughs> I got married <laughs> at 18 years old, which was so not right. But anyways, I was not ready. But um, but I did it because I thought that, that would be a way that God would bless me. (laughs) I thought if I get married, then I'll have God's blessing on my life because I'm doing what's right and not sinning or whatever. But, um, there was (laughs) so much pain and trauma that came through that time. And I really was like shattered to pieces through that time. And I was just so full of just struggles, right? Like any of us just full of Um, trying to do what was right but all these thorns in my flesh that and I kept giving power to the thorns in my flesh thinking that this is how it was always going to be that I'd always be struggling always be in lack always not have enough always like things were so bad I didn't have no car I didn't even have a place to live so I was with my ex for about six months and then um we just couldn't even be in the same room together without rage, chaos, anger, physical fights, because I didn't even love myself. I did, I knew God, I, I had an idea that God loved me, but I didn't have an encounter with the overwhelming love of God. And so at this point, I'm just believing, you know, head knowledge with God, believing by just reading, but... Um, But through that brokenness through that pain through that trauma through like the shatteredness of that relationship i really experienced the love of jesus because there were nights that she would dip out and be like i'm done you know mind games constant mind games pulling and tug of war like want to be with you don't want to be with you want to be with you don't want to be with you so i'm always i was always constantly searching and seeking for affection i always wanted to be unconditionally loved and I always wanted to pull that from people close to me rather than knowing that God is always lavishing that on me. So I was seeking that affection, wanting to buy that affection, which is almost like prostitution, but <laughs> like, if we're honest. And uh, I came to discover that in those moments of brokenness, weeping and sobbing on the floor, asking God for help, asking God for direction, asking God for peace, asking God for his love, that he would just crash over me like a tsunami and he would just love me to life and fill me with so much love. And and I came to understand that he really loves me. And so I would say more of the worst was, yeah, all of that trauma, believing that I would never be actually genuinely happy like, oh, I'm stuck in this because I'm obviously never going to get divorced. Like, that's not an option. Like, I didn't care what happened in that time and that season. I was settled on always trying to make it work. Like, I didn't think, oh, I'll never. I literally thought I would never get divorced and that I would end up having, like, a picture-perfect white picket fence marriage. Like, I just kept that always on my mind. So, I wasn't realistic in seeing all of the unhealthy patterns that, were, that was happening. And so what it ended up characterizing in me is me looking inward within myself because I was so focused on everything that she needed to do right or that, why isn't she doing this? Why isn't she doing that? And I'd always be praying, asking God to change her, make her love me, all this stuff, all this selfish stuff instead of interceding for her soul to know the Lord, like to really know the Lord and be infused with the love of God and for me to really know him and love myself and forgive myself and so I went on the journey of, of just loving myself because I'm not going to be able to love anybody if I don't love myself first. Love God as, you're, as you love yourself and, you know, love your neighbor. And so I'm learning, I was learning to love myself because I didn't. And, um, yeah, as I started to love myself, I felt overwhelming love to be able to pour that love out to those around me and so it just kept getting worse, though. And <laughs> this relationship just kept getting worse. I kept getting cheated on, um, and that really broke me. And God actually showed me in a dream that that was going to happen. He showed my ex as a baby, and he showed me all of my family members. He showed me where they were at, where, like where their hearts were at in the spirit. And he showed me that so I could pray and so I could know that it was going on. And so, uh, thankfully, my ex told me everything. Like, everything came to the light through her own mouth. I didn't have to search. I didn't have to seek for information, nothing. God brought everything to the light. And I'm so grateful that he did that because I was able to be advised. So I don't didn't keep routinely going through this trauma and these circles of, of all of this mess. So... And at that time, I had started really experiencing the love of God where he just poured out his spirit and I was getting drunk in the spirit and I was just full of joy and I was falling out under the power of God and getting joy. And I remember calling my ex and being like, I'm not, I feel like I'm like so like inebriated right now. I'm just like, and I remember calling her and telling her, God loves you so much. Like, and I was just like laughing, laughing, laughing. She thought I was crazy. But, <laughs> but I'm like, I got to release this joy in, into that but God spoke to me in 2017 and told me that my whole realm of influences were going to change for the better. Before that point, I was separated from my ex. I was living in in and out of people's garages, sleeping on uncomfortable couches uh, for like five years. I did not have my own bedroom. I did not even have my own car. I didn't have my own space. I had to just hold everything inside. I didn't have room to shout, to scream. I didn't know how to experience God in nature or in joy or in bliss or anything. I just knew him out of trauma and tribulations and struggles. And, And I felt like there was so much more, like there's so much more to God than just knowing him out of panic and chaos. And so everything god's best for me was his presence was him showering me with love was him turning it around for good when it didn't even make sense or i couldn't even see how anything any good come out could come out of any of it you know it was him not letting the cops come over when we were screaming and shouting at each other and slamming dishes out of the cupboards in our apartment you know like that's the goodness of god that we didn't get arrested from doing all that you know and it was the goodness of God that came in when I was holding a knife to my chest, wanting to literally go through and pierce through my chest because I was so over it. I was so tired. I felt like just demons were just attacking me, like, through all of that. Like, And I remember my neighbor came knocking on the door, and she is a believer, and she came to ask if everything was okay, and she prayed for me, and said come on over just come over to my house and just took me right out of that situation and my ex got in the car and left and God just nurtured my heart and loved me and spoke promises over me and broke that spirit of suicide off of me and um, yeah and so feeling, feeling his presence really healed a lot in me and brought goodness in me and then I began to leave all of that believe my worth believe that I'm worth more And I had struggles, like, I don't mean to say, like, all that happened on her side, but I had a lot of judgmental criticism, religiosity. I was very critical. I was very judgmental. I was very gray and, like, yeah. (laughs) I wasn't prophesying wondrous things over people back then. I was just like, that's wrong. That's not right. What you're doing is wrong. This is the problem. And without offering any solutions. (laughs) And, um... So yeah, and then God turned it all around. He brought me into his presence and he said, I'm transitioning you out of the old and into the new. Your whole realm of influence is gonna change. And then uh, I went to Jesus Conference in 2017 and uh, I experienced his presence and it was so amazing and so wonderful. And then I couldn't stop laughing for hours and hours and hours. And the joy of God heals so much in us, like it sets things right, it puts things into alignment, it sets things straight, and um, and then everything changed, literally, I, I ended up actually divorcing my ex because of what went on, what happened, and I felt free again, I felt liberated, I felt free to rediscover who I am, who Jesus is with me as, like in freedom, it's like what it should have always been from the beginning. So I like came back to my first love and it was just wonderful. And I found out that Jesus really is the lover of my soul. And uh, and now I'm free. And and what ended up happening was that uh, I went to a worship event and one of my ex's friends was there. And I thought that I had left my divorce in a pretty good split, like, space where I felt like everything was okay. I didn't have any resentment or bitterness or anything. And uh, I saw one of my ex's friends. And last time I saw this girl, she punched me in the face. <laughs> she like, she was drunk out of her mind. My ex was drunk, like, and they're trying to get in the car and drive away. And I was trying to, like, stop them and trying to, like, t- for them not to, to do that. And she just like straight up square punched me in the face. Like, it's just like, the heck? And um, anyways, that memory like of her was traumatic and they left and whatever, cops came and it was just retarded. Like it was just ridiculous, sorry. And uh, (laughs) I saw her at the worship night and she was just worshiping. And I'm like, Jesus, oh my God, I haven't seen that girl in so long. And I felt like the Lord was telling me to approach her and to ask her to forgive me for how I was so critical to her back in that time. And so I went right up to her, and I was like, hey. I hugged her and everything, and I just asked her to forgive me. And she just was speechless at first, and she was like, oh my God. And she hugged me, and she's like, I'm so sorry that I punched you in the face. I didn't know who I was back then. I was so broken. I didn't even know like that God loved me, and I was in such a rough place. And I was like, no, me too. Like, I'm sorry for being so critical and judgmental. Half the things that I, you know, was hard on you about, I would never I would never do that today. And uh, that had a rippling effect because she ended up talking to my ex and my ex ended up getting remarried and her new husband reached out to me on Facebook just several months ago and said that she was doing some soul searching and she wanted to heal and she was still harboring trauma in her heart I wanted to let it go and so I arranged a phone call with her and I didn't talk to her in like three years I haven't since I got divorced I hadn't talked to her and uh and so I spoke with her and we were just laughing on the phone and everything but like she started out the conversation with like asking for forgiveness for all the things I used to tell Jesus like doesn't she see she's doing this and that and this and that and she never like owned up to it or anything and like on that phone call, she went down literally everything. Like it almost felt like in order that I had been praying for her for years for. And she's like, I'm so sorry. Forgive me for this. Forgive me for the manipulation and the control and the this and the that and the all this stuff. And I was like, I forgive you. Forgive me for all that. And we just ended up just feeling so much joy. And I, I'm so grateful. Like I felt like things, puzzle pieces in my heart were just reconfigured to healthy, to happy, to good so that I could move forward because the thought of her before that point used to trigger anxiety, like, and I never understood why, like, I'm not with her anymore, like, I thought I broke off all soul ties, like, what am I feeling, you know, and now the thought of her does not trigger anything but peace, and I think that was the goal that God wanted to establish in my life was peace peace from the trauma. And now like everything in my life has turned around for good. And I know I'm only still in the process of all of that. Like I have joy in my life. I have peace in my life. I don't have people cursing me. I don't have any shame or unbelief or doubt in my life anymore. I'm so certain of what I believe to be true. I'm so certain of the goodness of God. I have a nice car, which is not about this, but I have a nice car that runs. I don't have to fix. It's not breaking down. Like my car used to have a problem with it. The cars that I did have used to always have some type of issue with them all the time. And no matter how much I fixed it or brought it to the shop, it was, everything was always breaking down. At work, I used to be uh, also manipulated and controlled and talked down to and never like encouraged or equipped to do my job like and plus i didn't have good work skills and stuff like that like that was all part of building my character not only in relationships but at my job um just in my life in ministry i used to be so overworked serving and serving and serving and never taking a break and exhausted but now like i have a culture and a community that honors rest that does everything from rest i have a job that is full of positivity and children and joy and it's fun And uh, my colleagues are so edifying and encouraging. So, like, I think I'm really going to write a book about everything turning around for good. I'm going to call it, like, Romans 828 or something because everything in my life has turned around for good. Nothing in my life has remained in that broken place. Everything is really good. And it just keeps getting better and better and better. So I would say... In a short summarized version, those were those were the things, those were the key points that I really felt at my worst, that I felt value, valueless, and now I feel completely valued by God, and he showered me with his best, and those things began to change, and if I had to ask, have I ever felt that God was pursuing, speaking to me throughout my life? I would tell them, look for how the Lord is speaking because he's always speaking. He's always sending out messengers. He's always sending out his word to meet with us. Even when we weren't fully aware of it, his word is all around us. So the invitation to knowing how the Lord is speaking, is just be looking, be looking to what's all around you. Anything that is good, I believe is the Lord speaking. It aligns with his word. If it's good, it aligns with his word. So, yeah. Amen.
2: Hey, um, thank you, Frankie. Yes. I love that. I love this. Getting to know and to see, I uh, forget how they, they Gonzalez has put it, the the glory behind the story. <laughs> or well, the story behind the glory and how, you know, we see you today and it's glory. And, like, oh, there's a story behind that. Um, of course, just like all of us. Uh, my story, I'll, I'll put it into a sentence, then I'll break it down, then I'll bring it back in. Um, and, of course, and I'm sure all of us feel this way, if you have any questions or, like, because can't hit everything. I can probably take, like, five hours, <laughs> right? Um, feel free to approach and to, uh, yeah, to pick my brain, pick my heart. But um, I, I grew up as a very passive, um, people-pleasing young lad. <laughs> um, a, lot of, a lot to do with that probably was because I'm the youngest of three, and um, at that point, for better or for worse, you know, all the effort has gone into the first two (laughs) as far as you know coaching or whatever and that's not always true but um, and as as the last it was like okay I need to be heard I need to be seen and the way I did that was to be as perfect as I could be Um, I was like okay to please everybody let me get good grades let me be great at sports let me be a good friend Um, so I was checking off all these boxes it was good and with that too, I was, I was raised in a, a Christian home, so I knew how to be a good Christian. I knew how to be moral, um, how to stay out of trouble. And that stuff really identified me uh, in big ways. Um, and uh, that's how it was a lot for my, for my youth, was just trying to uh, at least have this perception of perfection, because perfection allowed me to be seen and to be, uh, to be heard. Um, And so I would go around just pleasing everybody, pleasing everybody. Um, And one thing that the enemy really did with me with that mentality, is at a very young age, I was introduced to pornography. And um, with me, that became like uh, a little secret sin that I could hold on to because I have perfection over here. I was like, but ha, over here, I got this. Um, So it was really, it was really a, uh, I guess a crutch for me to not have to bear the weight of perfection. I like, alright, I have this. And uh, so I held on to it for, that, for a long time. I was, I was like seven when I had first got introduced to it and um, carried it, especially all the way through middle school. It was a big part of my life. It, it was cool how uh, in spite of all any rebellion I could have, like God still had remnants of himself like in me. Um, and part of that had been my, my joy uh, my parents would tell you, like, I guess I came out smiling really early and laughing, and they were really freaked out. They're like, what's wrong with my baby? <laughs> like, you shouldn't be laughing at this age. Um, and uh, so he's kept that with me, um, which has been cool because there, there have been hardships, right, growing up. Um, uh, a big part of a hardship that I deal with was the relationship to my mom and my dad. Uh, around middle school, in the middle school, going to, uh, sorry, high school, it started to really get shifty and like, just dramatic. Had no idea what was going on. Um, Leading up to that, my dad had been uh, working out of town and so I didn't see him a whole lot. And so he was kind of like absent in a way. He would show up to sports games and stuff like that on weekends, but he would go back uh, and work out of town. And so already he had like a, a dismissive um, mind in my head and so um, when all this trouble started happening in the house and so curious like what's going on um, and also at that point my dad actually had he had went to uh, to prison for uh, a little while um, he was the fall guy I guess for some stuff that happened at a work a job he, would, he was at and so these all these tick marks were against my dad like he wasn't here for a while he went to jail like what kind of father is he <laughs> Um, start to be really questionable. And then this stuff between him and my mom. And I'm a mama's boy. Yeah, I'll be the first to tell you. I'm a mama's boy and uh, had a nose. <laughs> Not more than I love you, though. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and, and so very protective of my mom. And as she started to struggle, I start to feel that um, things come out, they're forced out. That my dad, he actually had a affair with my mom. Um, with my mom or with some, a lady against my mom and all this stuff was coming out. So at this point, he's a, a lying, cheating, like, absent father and did not care for him a, a, at all. Um, and so, regardless of that, I was like, don't like you. I'm going to still do my thing, be as perfect as I can, also still pursue this secret sin that I have going on, um, which carried all that, that, dichotomy, I guess, carried into high school. And I um, started becoming just very, like, weak and weary. Like, I'm like, I don't know how much more I can just have this. Like, I feel like I was going to reach a point where I'm going to flip <laughs> or just crash and come tumbling down, and that thought scared me. And at that, that moment, it was cool, because uh, so my el- elder sibling's a brother, my sister, then it's me. My brother's five years older than me, so he's always, like, out of reach and so cool and whatnot. And my sister, uh, we butt heads a lot growing up. We were two years apart. And um, uh, but I started to see uh, something different in my sister that I, that I wanted. Uh, we went to the same church, same family, same trials. But something about her was, like, of peace and just uh, I was curious. She was a, a uh, peculiar people. <laughs> It's the best I can put it. And um, so I started taking note of her, and it was, it was obvious to me that she had something, especially with the Lord, that I did not have. Um, I started going to these Bible studies that she led at school, and a, a lot of it was because she was my ride to school. <laughs> so I had to go, and I, I participated, or at least I sat there. And really, I, I would just look at her, I would, I would see her. I probably wasn't listening to much, but I was like observing her. And i could see that she had like an actual relationship with christ and at that point that was not a thing to me <laughs> like i kind of heard about it of course but i just didn't own it and um for me to be close to god was to be perfect or to be to, to have this at least uh identifying as, as perfect You it wasn't that god actually wanted to know me <laughs> and nonetheless god wanted to send a savior <laughs> just so he can know me and he can die just to know me and so um no, who knew, right? That's, that's the whole gospel, right? <laughs> and so seeing my sister kind of build that, I, um, I, I never really told her at that time either. I was like, I'm, let me try this out. I started to read the Bible and to, to get into the Word and to actually pursue Christ. And he started drawing near to me. And it was, it was, uh, and my story overall too is just like these increments of God just like ripping off scales from my eyes uh, slowly but surely. Um, so this scale was definitely a, wow, he's a relational God. Um, and then all of a sudden I just started to, especially the, the sin I have, that, that became a sin and not like a, a crutch. It's like, wow, this is horrible. <laughs> like, I, what am I doing? Um, and at the same time, uh, I knew I was bitter towards my dad and I wasn't ready to go there, but I, I recognized that. I was like, okay. like, And, and uh, to speak to that too, my parents, they stayed together somehow and so I was very frustrated even with that because like, like you don't recognize all the stuff he did to you I'm like mom like this, this 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 and that why are y'all still together and so going through high school there was always just hardship even disconnection from my, uh, my family because I'm like why is everybody on board with this <laughs> when I'm over here I'm like nah this, this isn't cool um, went off to college and uh, and God was with me there too because he, he, I, I, he covered me with a great roommate freshman year who was just far greater and mature in his faith than I was. And uh, it was just awesome because I was actually going to room with a different guy who was in the world. <laughs> but I honored a commitment to this first guy. And I was like, all right. And so, first Sunday, he's like, he was like, first Sunday. He's like, yo, let's go to a church. And I was like, chill. <laughs> like, like, we just got here, bro. I, I intended to do that, but not at this, this speed. And so we go to this church, and he's like, dude, it's on campus. We can walk there. Like, it's just simple. So we go, and I was just blown away by the preaching, by the, the, the love, um, seeing all these people that were my age just, like, worshiping God. Um, so by right I, was, I was I was attracted to it. Um, and then the following Sunday, this church announces, like, Bible studies, and, and, and uh, they call them engaged groups. And so, of course, he's like, "Dude, let's do it! Like, we're (laughs) we're getting an engaged group." I'm like, "Whatever, man, let's do it." And so, we get involved with this uh, this group, and that was another just um, nudge in the direction of 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 healing that God brought me to. Was um, I didn't know I was missing community like through all this time, especially in high school, when He started to speak to me. I was doing this thing alone, and didn't speak to anybody, didn't talk to anybody. And I go into this Bible study there. They're just expressing their hearts, being vulnerable. They're talking about the P word of pornography. Like with them like, yo, like, you can't talk about that here. <laughs> they're like, dude, yeah, we can, we can be free from it. I'm like, huh. And so with that, I started seeing their freedom and their, just their, uh, their life. I was like, I want this. So I clung to that community. Um, and they, of course, welcomed me in with open arms. They just drew me in so lovingly and so intentionally, got discipled. And before you knew it, I was like, I was discipling people. <laughs> and I remember looking back and I was like, wow, how did I get here? Like, I was, I was lonely in my faith, drowning in sin, and a little while longer, I'm, I'm like, leaving. I'm like, whoa. Um, and that it, it was just so fluid how Christ kind of brought me into that. And um, but he wasn't done yet, of course. Uh, I was still, I came to a point where I was still compromising. I understood what it was to have a depth with my relationship with God. I understood how it was to, um, you know, actually pursue him. But there were still these things in the world I was clinging to. Um, it, and it came through just, still being passive, or in a, a relationship I had at that point, like still not cling to purity, and um, and all these things were just there, and it came to a point where God really just said, hey, don't be on the fence, <laughs> like either you're going to pursue me, or you're not, and uh, you know, it was more of that story too, but it, it was very evident, it was like, okay, huh? And of course that's the easy answer, but I actually had to think about it and it's funny, I had to pray about it. (laughs) I had to pray to God of whether I'm gonna pursue him or not. And so the answer was yes. And so um, around like my sophomore junior year um, and through different trials and tribulations, like the injuries I, I had to receive to really wake up and to see my, God has always spoken to me physically to link me to spiritually. And so um, even things like like physical injuries that I had in both of my knees, he brought me to a point where he was telling me, hey, you have, without me, you are at rock bottom. <laughs> and with me, you can heal, you can rehabilitate, you can actually excel more than you can do by yourself. Um, and I'll come back to this story too, but I, I believe uh, an encounter that I had that kind of defines my journey with God um, came in the form of a I call it my second baptism, <laughs> um, and uh, I got baptized in this church I was going to in college, um, which was a cool experience, super great. And again, like I said, I was, I was still very complacent even after that point. Um, I got my my left leg got injured. Not a cool story. I was playing intramural flag football <laughs> or actually this is ultimate frisbee and uh so i got injured and i was coming back to school that year and um our group two groups actually were going camping and so i was like yeah i'm down let's do it it's a good way to begin the year get to know people get to uh like bring people in and so having a bunch of newbies old faces too um we go camping and i have this big old leg brace on my leg because I I had surgery and I'm still like rehabilitating and people are getting in the river that's right beside our campsite and so it's like it's you know it's waist high so I'm like cool is whatever so I go trudging in and something was like "Mm, probably shouldn't be in this river and I was like whatever and uh, and somebody had an idea hey let's like walk down the river so okay cool we're all walking down the river, and it goes from you know, the waist, to, like my belly button, up to the chest. And at this point, I'm like, oh, "Okay, whatever. I'm here. <laughs> Let's just keep going." And we we continue, and there's lots of rocks, like just sharp rocks at the bottom. I just don't even want to stand. And so uh, we were actually kind of thankful that it got deep enough that we didn't have to stand. We we're just like floating. Um, the only problem with that is that I, I don't float. Um, and, <laughs> I don't. Oh, we've
1: tried many things, <laughs> confirmed.
3: I,
2: I do not float. <laughs> I wasn't built that way, and so I'm in this river over over my head. I can't float. I have a leg brace on, and so I'm just an idiot. <laughs> I'm just an idiot. That's all I can put it. And it's okay for a minute. And I start to get tired. And uh, and I'm like, all right, I I'm getting tired. I noticed this. Um, but I'm like, I'm still okay. And at one point I go under, underwater, and I come back up and I'm like, wow, maybe I'm not okay. <laughs> um, maybe I need help, but it was, it was odd because even in that moment, like there's still pride. I was like, no, nah, I'm, I'm good, like I can, I can do this. So I didn't call for help at this moment. I went under a second time. And at that point I come back up and I'm like, wow. Like I'm running out of breath. I really have no energy. I do need help. So I try to you know, holler for some assistance to my, my friends. Um, at this point, though, they're like, most of them are all the way down the river. There are two that are kind of close, like, to where Christian is, but they can't get back to me. They're like, you okay? I'm like, mm they, They're trying to swim. They can't get back to me. And so my, my hope, my friend saving me, that was, that was out the window. And then I'm like, oh, shoot, like, this is, <laughs> this is very grim. I start really just like, Jeremy, you're an idiot. <laughs> like, I just start grilling myself. Like, what are you doing here? How did you get here? And I feel myself. I'm like, I really have nothing left, and I'm going to go under again. And this might be my last time. Um, I don't think I'm going to come back up. And so, lo and behold, like, I'm really trying my all. And if you've never worked out, and you, like, get to a point where you just can't lift, and you're like, Ugh, that's, like, where I was. Like, I was really trying, and I couldn't. And so I went went under a third time. At this point, like, I was like, I think this is it. And uh, it was weird how, like, dramatized it was, it was like a movie. So I was underwater, and I was looking up, and you could see the lights, like, glimmering. And they were so close, but so far away. And I'm, like, trying to reach up and, like, grab the light and pull myself up, but I couldn't. And I'm like, wow. Again, I'm like, one of the first thoughts I was like, my mom, my mom, like, I'm an idiot. <laughs> She's going to get a call that her son is at the bottom of a river and drown because he's an idiot. And so, and then again, I was like, idiot, idiot. <laughs> and I'm just like, come on. <laughs> um, and it's funny because the last thing I did was was pray. And, like, I tried all my strength. It failed. Called out for my friends. They couldn't get to me. So finally, I was like, God, I need something. Like, I was like, I don't even know. And this all happened very quickly, but it seemed like forever. <laughs> um, and I was like, My last thought was, God, I need a rock. Like, I just need a rock to stand on. Like, I just need something. And then I just quiet myself and I give up. <laughs> and I just just sink. And I, like, honestly, I was like, This is death. And then the next thing, Hit something and I'm I'm up out of the water <laughs> and I had no idea what it was, and I look under a rock, and I'm just standing there, and I'm like, I guess I'm shaking, but I, I don't really come to until those two friends that were in front of me, they they had got out and had come back up to me, and they're like, dude, you okay? And I'm like, Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Um but I didn't think about it for a while. I didn't want to think about it for a while, and it was like a months later, because I'm talking about. I was like, ah. I really was going to (laughs) die. I was going to die. And um, looking back, and I didn't realize this until maybe even a few years ago, because, you know, I live on, right? I did not die in that river. I recognized, okay, I I need to actually pursue and pursue with my whole heart (laughs) and not not partially, not give in to a little bit and not be okay with even the perception of an inkling of, of faith. Or, or, but actually have the wholeness of it, and, um, and that led me to a lot of freedom um, with with my struggle with, with addiction first of all, but also with my father. I started to see my father for his heart and how, no matter what he did wrong, honestly he never stopped pursuing us as a family. And so I actually learned a lot from him, and we we had talked about it. I was like, wow, like thank you, Dad, for 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 pursuing me. <laughs> even in spite of failure. Um, so from that, that relationship, I, I grew a lot with my, my faith with, with my father, my heavenly father, um, and how he wanted all of me. And in spite of me, like, he wanted all of me. And um, even in a, into adulthood, graduating college, he, he kept bringing me to places where um, he's like, I have a plan, like, and it's, it's a good plan. <laughs> I just need you to trust me in it. And it brought me to people um, and and workplaces that I didn't want to be in. But he, through those workplaces, he brought me to different people that led me deeper um, and even led me down here where I met my wife. And uh, that's like a whole miracle in itself. And and so looking back and where I was as a passive, people-pleasing, addicted, um, just fraud, coward, honestly, and I jumped into this pool. This is how I kind of personify it from my second baptism. I jumped into this pool that was way over my head, (laughs) and yes, I was an idiot (laughs) for doing so, and I was drowning, right? And before I knew I was drowning, I was drowning. Before I recognized I was drowning, I was actually drowning. Before I knew I was in a pool, (laughs) I was drowning. And it took realizing that I didn't have the strength to get me out that my friends didn't have the strength to get me out but I needed a savior I needed a true like lifeguard to, to get me out to provide me uh, a rock to stand on that I couldn't manufacture in the least bit to let me live and that has been God like throughout my, my journey is showing me wow like these things are nice but you need me. <laughs> even your your accolades, your, your talents, your will to be a good friend, like all those are nice, but you need me. You, you can have those things, but put me in front of them and I will bless those things. And, and that's where I'm at now, like I can walk and it's not really like outwardly I'm a different person, but because inwardly I have the source and the lifeguard with me, it's like everything is projected in bigger light and just and better and the way that he's kept my my joy through um he's even redeemed my joy (laughs) he's like you were joyful before but now you're joyful with me and it just allows me to be um be free in that and so and, and being married now it's uh it's a fun journey to walk with god through that and now even seeing. Like I think the phase I'm in now, and like the scales that in front of my eyes now, is like I thought I knew how to love <laughs> back then, and now being in a couple, married, marriage is like now nah, you're gonna really learn how to love, you're gonna really learn how to like how I see it and how I do it. I'm like, ooh, mm, okay, <laughs> I guess that's that's fine, um, and it's been beautiful, and so I, I'm I'm. I love the fact that I'm never done yet with the Lord, that he's always bringing like the, from glory to glory, and I feel that, and I, and I own that. I'm like, all right, God, I'm in a glorious spot right now, but there is more glory to be had. And, and, and for you guys, especially too, one, try to think of where you're at. If you had to personify it as like a river, or like, do you know you're drowning, <laughs> first of all? Because if you don't know we're drowning, we don't accept the fact that we're drowning without a savior then we won't ever like he can send a lifeguard but you might punch him in the face (laughs) because you're not drowning and your pride will tell you you won't so are you drowning do you recognize that two like are you reaching out for all these things that won't save you that have good benefit that have good good outcomes but ultimately they can't save you and then three are you accepting the lifeguard savior are you stepping out of that and and into that rock um, and allowing that to to push you even higher now I can say he's teaching me how to walk on water (laughs) not just to be in water but to walk on water and what does that look like for your life Um, so I can tell you from my experience so far it's amazing pure it's true it's it's awesome so yeah think again reach out ask me anything open books praise God
1: Hello, everyone. Um, So I guess for me, for a long period in my life, I was really frustrated and I was really angry and I didn't know why. And I think um, I realized that there was, it was a lot easier to blame others or reasons or excuses and make excuses than to actually find deep and meaningful healing in my life. Um, just to give you guys some context, and that's why, like, I put up the Ephesians 6.12, is that, you know, it talked, the Bible talks about it's our battle against, not against flesh and blood, because I used to blame, I used to blame my dad, I used to blame my family, I used to blame, you know, my circumstances, um, but it's actually against uh, the principalities that were, you know, so, so with that said, I want to give you guys some context of when I talk about my family and Um, Some of the interactions that we've had that has hurt me it come it came within context of a different place Um, so to give you guys some background on my family, so I'm Japanese and Filipino and um, My grandfathers were in World War II and one of them was a POW during the Bataan Death March and um, it caused him to be um, Away, Um, he grew up and he ran away from home when he was 16 because he was abused Um, His father was an alcoholic and was abused um, so he went into the military. He met my grandmother and um, when he went off to war and then when he was captured, uh, my grandmother was playing single mom for a, a vast majority of my, um, my dad and his siblings lives. Um, so that kind of set some precedent and some context for how he came back home and he was very silent. And my dad struggled with the emotional value that was invested in his life or lack thereof from a father. Um, for my other side, on my mom's side, Um, My grandfather entered the war right before Pearl Harbor, and as a Japanese um, American citizen, um, although he was second generation, um, you know, the world and all of America viewed that, um, that Japanese people didn't belong there was a lot of notifications that everybody who was as as Japanese descent, their families had to go into internment camps. And so um, my grandma went into an internment camp and although my grandpa was already enlisted in the United States Army, when Pearl Harbor happened, they had to be put on like, you know, detail that they could be watched because they might've been spies. They might've been any of these things. They couldn't prove themselves to be anything of what they were because of the way that they looked so because of that prejudice there was constant rejection that was feeding into my family's effort to prove that they were american to prove that they were worth something so that definitely you know fed and bled into my mom and my dad's generation and their siblings to where the way that they raised us was out of that same perfection that don't give people a reason to, to see you're bad or to call you anything else because you're perfect. And that was really, and that's never what they said, but it was always, if we did anything wrong, my parents would often say, you know, I can't believe you would do this because we have done so much for you. And they would say, you know, um, uh, because of the work we've put in, because of the work hours that we've done, because the You know, how many hours, you know, what the swim practice we would pick you up, the food that we put on the table, like, you know, the jobs that we'd have to pick up, the extracurriculars, you know, and all those different things. Like, you know, how could you do that? Um, But that's because it came from their place of hurt from their parents, too. And so, um, so for me, I think I've for a long time, I've been feeling like my testimony didn't mean much because, um, you know, I didn't have
3: anything really dynamic happened in my life where um, you know I was physically abused or you know that like I almost died or something like that it was just that I had learned to eat poison my entire life that that my love was always wrapped in conditions that love was always came out of obligation and always striving that I couldn't there was nothing more that I could ever do but me, more perfect. That I always had to perform. That I always had to be my best. Because just being me wasn't good enough. Um, and um, you know, very similar to Jerry, Jeremy's story too. I learned from
1: my siblings that secret sin was the way to um, to be able to escape that perfectionism. And so, you know, my my siblings my brothers were rambunctious. They're twins and they're 10 years older than me. And my sister is five years older than me. So, um, my brothers were super rambunctious. They would like build pipe bombs in the park. And like, we had like a, war- a search warrant on our house one time. And, um, you know, they would just do like crazy stuff. <laughs>
3: like, you know, they're twins. They had each other. So they had a lot of fun, um, you know, just
1: like doing bad stuff. And uh, maybe they were more open with it, but at first they definitely weren't. Or when, you know, when they went out in their adult life, you know, uh, there was a lot of my things that my parents were just better not knowing um, because it stressed them out. And, um, you know, for my sister too, she was the perfect straight A gymnast. um, And yet, like, she had this, like, alternative, like, Uh, she would go to shows with all their friends who did like you know like sketchy things but um you know she got tattoos and piercings and of course for any Christian household like your body is a temple so don't get tattoos how could you ever do that you know um and so you know those things were in secret and um and that was for my life too like you know um because of the love that I knew that I needed um, you know I was easy to get into relationships um, relationships that would um, try to validate who I was and relationships that would um, give me love and affection in a way that I had never received before Um, because although I was loved with a provision and with a household and stuff like that just when I was feeling low I felt like the room was silent because we were always raised to be independent um, I always describe my family dynamics as that my parents raised us to be really great employees, um, but never know how to be um, son and daughters. Um, so um, for me, the, like, what led up to God in my life, it wasn't like a rock moment. Um, it was many moments. I often relate um, my testimony at, and God affecting my life, like how I see rain. Um, That one drop, like, you know, coming out of the sky and hitting you, you kind of like, you're like, that's not rain. It's a culmination of many moments that God has shown his faithfulness. Um, I accepted the Lord and did the prayer, you know, I guess when I was, I went to a Christian camp and I remember this like, hike in the night and this older group lady was like, do you want to accept Jesus? And I was like, I guess. And (laughs) and maybe I just didn't know what I was allowing the Lord to do. And I think that is so true of us, right? That we just like, maybe I didn't know what we were getting into, but I was open enough to say, okay, I'll try it. Like, um, uh, So that was like when I was very young in elementary school. And when I was in sixth grade, um, one of the moments that I really remember distinctly of Something that was out of my control, that only God could have changed, was um, I had a lot of friends who had abusive families, and um, and the way that they, you know, expressed that was through cutting themselves. And um, as much as you know, our friends that did not do that were trying to hold them accountable and say that's not good for you, and ways can we love you? It just wasn't enough, and um, we were really scared, and w- there was nothing that we could do. Um, It wasn't until we went to this church event that um, was being held close that one of our friends was into, there was like this moment of prayer. And again, I don't remember anything that was said, but I remember how I felt. I remember listening to the testimonies and saying, those people aren't lying up there. You know, it like the crux of this series on Revelation says, like we overcome the accuser by Uh, the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony and through those testimonies that were shared last night I remember being in this circle of prayer um, where the girls that were had been cutting themselves stopped that they like you know took the razors that were out of their pockets and like you know and threw them in the garbage and I was just like that that God has to be something has to be something real Um, also that same year towards the end right after I graduated sixth grade going into seventh grade um, my brother got into a really, really dark place in his life to where he left our family um, and to a point where, you know, um, he stopped communicating with us. There was um, he went to jail. Um, there was a lot of accusations and he decided to purposefully like not talk to us um, even when he was in our house. And um, And my brother was probably the closest sibling that I've always had in my life Um, we would play and like you know he was he was almost that father figure for me where he would be the one that was hanging out with me and like you know uh, sharing silly stories or you know um, interacting with me in a way that I needed and so for that to be cut off I just didn't know what was going on and um, I couldn't visit him because I was a minor at the time and um, and and this went on for months he was missing and you know like my parents didn't know where he was for months like you know we put out a police report and everything and um and when he finally came home I just remembered that he was on medication my mom was um was trying to like hold herself together but they also my parents weren't also sharing what was going on either so it was just a lot of I didn't know what was happening it wasn't until there was just a night that I came home from my grandparents that my brother was sitting on the couch and um, and my parents were sitting with him and he came up to me and he embraced me and he said I'm so glad that you're home. Again, it was I just felt like it was God's grace and there was nothing that I did there was nothing that I didn't know what else had changed but but he had changed and um, and he came back into my life he started talking to us again and he started building that relationship with me again.
3: And I just remember like hugging him, but trying not so hard not to cry, and then going back to my room and just, and thanking God, just knowing that, that he did it. He listened to my prayers. Out of everything, God, God heard me in an impossible situation. And, uh, and I feel
1: like many of times, um, there were other instances like that. Um, and when I went, uh, when I, graduated high school I realized that I couldn't go to college because my dad had lost his job Um, and so I went into the military and um, and with joining the military I was completely by myself and I had every reason not to go to church I wasn't at home anymore I didn't have to go but man something in my spirit just just told me to go you know I just had just I just wanted a church home again. I just wanted to hear the word. It just always made me feel so good. Those testimonies always got me. And um, so that's when I really believed that um, allowing God time and time and again for me to just show up and him pour his love into me was how, you know, he just changed my life. Um, That first year in the military, I think, really shifted as far as knowing that it wasn't a part of obligation because I had to be seen by my parents going to church. Um, and I knew that wasn't the reason either, but I was also the only sibling out of the four of us that were, were going to church. So I was like, my parents only hope, <laughs> what I felt like sometimes. And so for me to establish like nobody's looking and, and God, I'm still going, like are you still there, um, was really, really important and significant to, um, to my life. And um, I think through that time of being alone and going through my different assignments and my different positions, God bringing me to the Air Force Academy, and really being challenged with perfectionism because, man, everybody's a star player there. Everybody's a 4.0, everybody. And so I experienced, like, a lot of failure, a lot of, like, wow, you're average, if not below average. (laughs) And so it really tested my sense of perfectionism just because I was uh, really out of my league in a lot of ways. And um, I think in a lot of ways, isn't that God? Um, So uh, I guess I believe that, God has just constantly unveiled my life one drop at a time, like showing me, um, you know, the goodness, showing me his faithfulness. And that culmination of moments have enabled me to break agreements with perfectionism. Like when I was faced with failure, when I was faced with knowing that my striving wasn't enough, when I was faced with the fact that I was completely alone, God always met me. And so, what began to change was that I was able to, like, you know, Frankie said, love myself. I was able to, you know, stop choosing relationships um, that would just like gratify me in a way that, like, you know, I didn't have to be abused by them. You know, I didn't have to struggle with feeling like I was out of place. I didn't have to struggle with feeling like I still needed to fit in a certain box of somebody. Uh, You know, I didn't have to feel constantly whipped around by somebody else's expectation of me. Um, So, and even this time here, you know, at the resting place, um, you know, has given me a lot of language to um, more of the context of my life that I wanted to seek healing so I don't have to blame anymore. Um, So when I invite people, I guess, to, you know, um, or when I ask them, you know, about like, what do they think of God? um, It just... I guess it just depends I try to share my story in a way that that I just there is too many things that have happened at once to not be God and and I ask them if that's you know if if that's maybe something that they've seen too um and if that and if they want to know more then I continue to share many hours of my story (laughs) but but yeah that's kind of my life in a nutshell but you're more than welcome to ask and all the things but I love you guys
4: so i have so much so many testimonies it was really really challenging for me to try to put this into 20 minutes or you know i'm like abraham i'd be up all over the place you know and just trying to just allow holy spirit to guide me and that i can hear him clearly um of what he wants me to say. Um, first of all, I just want to say um, that I was a very, 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 very angry person. The majority of my life, and um, you wouldn't know it now if you have uh, relationships with me. You would never know I was I was completely angry, and it was uh, it was a lot. But I also feel like. Um, it helped me to get through life. So, I just want to talk about James 1, 19 and 20. It says, my dearest brother and sisters, take this to heart. Be quick to listen, but slow to speak. And to be slow to become angry, for human anger is never a, leg- a legitimate tool to promote God's righteous purpose. So, I just want to talk about, um, so the guidelines are like the worst, but like, I don't even know how to gauge that. I have 21 years of ministry, so there's so much, but the worst probably I would have to say is the death of my son, which was the worst. Um, but I want to talk about not that, but how I got through that and how it started and how he got me through that because of the intrinsic love and devotion submission to Holy Spirit so that's what got me through it not people, not friends definitely not my family but Holy Ghost and his commitment and devotion and love to me from beginning to end forever and ever and ever. So I just thank God for that. So I want to talk about, um, so I went to school late in my life because I had children young um, and um, I was a single mom and one day I just woke up and I was done with anger. And I wasn't saved at this point yet. I got saved when I was 26. So this was prior to 26. And, um... (laughs) I said, I'm done with this. I was very overweight. I was very unhealthy. I was very unhappy. I was very angry. Um, but I was a really good mom. I poured into my children. I taught my children. I was very involved in their lives. They did sports. I volunteered in all their classes. Same like you two. Very, um, I was raised military, so there's a standard that you kind of be good sit like a lady eat like a lady be a lady at all times you know just that form-fitting thing that they put us into as children and not let us be children just sidebar anyways um so I decided I was um I was really done with all of that so I woke up and I threw my couch away I said I'm not having a couch anymore because all I do is send my kids to school and then I lay on the couch and watch soap operas and eat because i was depressed and i was sad and i was mostly angry like how did i get here how do i have three kids without their father how do i have no family that loves me how do i get through this how do i love my children when i don't have any love in me how do i do it so anyways forward i'm in college I went and signed up for college. I'm like, I'm gonna be something. I desire to be something. I have so much to give. I have so much, and I want to learn more, and so I went and signed up for college, so I started that journey. So I'm down the road in college, and we had moved, and we were living in a really nice house, and it was just me and my sons, and um, I had a little dog. I love dogs, and um, his name was Chance, and he was a little Yorkshire Terrier, and um He took off. Out the door, like I was getting ready to take him out, and he took off out the door, and he ran off. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to be late to school. You know, you start blitzing out in your mind like, ah. (laughs) So I'm like screaming for him, yelling for him, driving. Finally get him, get back in the house, and I'm late. And this class that I'm going to is like the instructor is a deaf instructor, and he's very strict. And even though he's deaf, he yells. And so you don't go in,
3: <laughs>
4: you don't go in his la- class late. And I'm like, oh, you know, and you're only allowed to miss like three. And I'm like, oh, God. So that probably was my last one. And I'm like, oh, great. So I'm really mad now. I'm like, oh, my God. So I'm like, okay, God. So everything happens for a reason because at this time, you know, I'm a Christian, I've been saved, I'm submerged, I'm filled with the Spirit, so I'm like, okay. And I had been making a commitment to God to move distractions out of the way and really tune in to His voice and to listen, really, really listen without talking all the time or, you know, interrupting or getting phone calls. I was a prayer person at our church and all this, you know, I'm like, Always on my phone, always getting, you know, either my kids interrupting my prayer time. So he said, um, lay down and pray. So I was like, okay, have an hour before my next class starts. I might as well. Let me lay down and pray. So I just get in my position, worship, get in that prostate position before God, and I'm praying, interceding, going there, gone. And um, my phone starts ringing. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm just pushing past that. Just ignoring, ignoring, ignoring. My house phone starts ringing. So my cell phone's ringing. My house phone's ringing. And I'm like, I'm not. And I just keep on. So my phone simultaneously is ringing, 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 back and forth, back and forth. I'm like, what is going on? So I just kept praying. I stayed praying for the whole hour. I did not stop. I get my phone, you guys, and I have all these messages, and um, so I call my mom. So she tells me, "You need what?" I'm like, well, I'm supposed to be in class, but okay, I'm answering the phone now. What's going on? My grandmother was driving her minivan. My dad and my uncle were following her. They were driving from Vegas. California is where I live and um, she veered off the road and hit the side and she flipped her van flipped and she was ejected from the car and my dad and my uncle witnessed this and so not only did I have that I had six members of my church we're at the hospital as well so everybody was calling me to pray I'm like oh little did you know I was been praying for an hour you know and I'm just so thankful because what if my dog didn't get out what if I could just got angry and just you know instead of hearing God so I'm so thankful to him just saying lay down and pray and not that He saved my grandma because my grandma was fine. I go to the hospital, nothing. Nothing is wrong with her. Absolutely nothing. Even though she flipped, ejected, and was life flighted to the hospital. And then, then after I see my grandma, pray for my grandma, I go to each six people that are also in the hospital for different things. To pray and just love and comfort, you know. But I was the vessel that. He was able to fill with his comfort because, you know, he's already saved everybody. Like, we're not out here saving people. We're out here listening to his voice to know what is it do we have to offer people when they get in a position where they need it. Most of all, we need to be in a position to hear him like you. What if you didn't hear his voice? What if you didn't ask for that rock to be there? But you did. He knew you were going to ask for that rock. Like, he knew that I was going to lay down and pray and get filled with his love, with his presence, with the anointing to go and administer it. So when he calls you to do that, you know, it's so important. So that kind of framed me for my ministry as I, I went on. So I've been in ministry 21 years. So I get to the point, you know. There's so much in between of my son's um, passing that it's just so much, but I just want to thank God because I learned to trust him, not my family, not my friends, not my church members, not my pastors, and not to say they're not trustworthy. So many are, and I'm so, so blessed to have, I have lifelong friends, I have a lot of Dear friends from my childhood, from the age 15 up, that I still converse with, and we get together. And like, I'm very, very blessed with friendship, don't get me wrong. But I learned to trust in God because He's the one that gives us strength, He's the one that propels us to righteousness. He is the one. It's not our deeds, it's not our actions, it's an intrinsic inside job with holy spirit and um so many years i didn't have joy i didn't have happiness because single mom imagine three crazy boys yeah a lot you know i was angry a lot in my life i needed holy ghost (laughs) trust (laughs) so when my son passed away and um It was not only traumatizing to lose him but it traumatized my children and my entire family but mostly my children my youngest son found him and like it was almost like he was gone he was white as a ghost you guys and he was throwing up and like he couldn't breathe and um you know they had to come my my house was a crime scene they had to you know do all this investigating and so much but I'll tell you the first thing that I did is um you know he hung himself so we had to cut him down of course I administered CPR me and my adopted son which was my son's best friend and um you know called 911 we're on the phone with them whatever and when we know, you know, he's, he was already gone. And um, so I ran, called my pastor, grabbed my oil, <laughs> got the oil, put it over his body, laid on his body, <laughs> prayed for resurrection, of course, I'm a believer. So, of course, I did that, you know, and I just, I accepted it in that moment. Although it was tragic, and it was crazy, and I was so scared, and it so many emotions I can't even go into, but for me, what was important was to be there for my children, because now they're traumatized, and how are we going to get through this, and can I tell you, God's grace is amazing, you guys, his grace, and his peace, and his love, and his foundation, and the strong tower of his foundation inside of me and good people and my whole church they were so good they did come and they blessed us and prayed and and they brought us food and you know my family really didn't do anything you know i i don't know if they were just in so much shock or i don't know but i'm past that anyways but yeah so i just want to thank god For the grace that he's given me and um, how he has filled my life and that I look for blessings, you know, through the death of my son, you know, and and I, I don't like, I'm really healed over it. Thank God he healed me. But like, he's constantly sending me reminders. And, you know, not replacements, but he sends me like Frankie, Eric, Jeremy, you know. He has sent me so many beautiful, you know, they're not my sons, but they're like sons to me. And they're precious, precious jewels to my heart. And it fills those um, somewhat empty spaces that are caused from the loss. So, you know, He always fills us with His joy. And He always causes us to overcome. And um, so anytime I try to get sad or cry, joy just bubbles up in my (laughs) belly. (laughs) And I, I just step over that. I step over that fear. I step over that anger. I step over, sometimes feels like abandonment or, you know, like, why me? Those places inside of you where you feel like, you know, why, why, why? I choose to step over it and jump into the river of joy and allow his joy to overcome me and overtake me and just bask in his joy. And then you just get in laughter and it's in So, you know, everybody around you starts getting joy, and then the joy just starts busting out. So, you know, I'm so thankful for joy. I'm so thankful for life. I'm so thankful that he taught me how to hear his voice. And when he asks us to pray, stop and pray because he's trying to put something in you. And at first, I thought it was about obedience, but it's more about what he's trying to give us and put inside of us so that we can make it, so we can use that bridge of hope to step over that ugliness, the anger, the fear, all of that. It's real. And in church, we don't talk about it all the time. It is so real, and it's every day. But it doesn't have to be a battle, you guys. There's a time to be quiet, and there's a time to be reserved and step back and not allow the things of this world to get you down. And we all should have a team and support to call in those hours, in those times, so we're never alone. But my hope for everyone is that you build that bridge and let hope guide you over into his anointing, into his bliss, into his joy, into his glorious splendor because it's real. It's so real and he loves us. And I couldn't imagine that um, my most, you know, moms don't pick favorites, but this little boy was amazing. And I only got to have him for 20 years and I cherished that time. But, like, we were so close. So talk about learning to let go. This was the biggest lesson. Because what do you do? You can't hold on to someone that's already gone. And then what? You just sit there in life and do nothing? That's not what he would want for you either. So, you know, letting go of him and processing and... Knowing that it wasn't anything that I did or could have done or I caused, that He chose that road. It was His chose. It was His choice. He chose that, you know, and put me in a place of honor. To honor Him in the midst of His choice. And that's why it's so important to me to honor everybody. Because we all have choices. And it's not for us to judge or look at. It's for us to honor and love and create a bridge of hope.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place South Tampa campus. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.